When someone doesn't have a bed or can't do laundry because they have no transportation or even the money to pay for laundry, or they don't have, they have a newborn and they can't leave the house. For people in poverty, these little things are major obstacles. They don't have people that they can ask to help them with these things because the people around them are also struggling in poverty. So I feel like what we've done is become that aunt or that neighbor or that friend that says, hey, I can go pick that up for you. Hey, I can find you a couch. Hey, I can help pay your electricity bill this month. And so out of that, I've decided I, I have a little nonprofit called Kids Empowered on the Move, which I've been doing conferences and working in schools in poverty, offering them social, emotional learning, social skills, self-esteem, confidence, all of that I've been doing for 20 years. And I've decided to expand that to raise money to try to get families little things that they need that is very challenging for them. This is the Third Act Podcast, shining a spotlight on individuals, charities, and small business owners suffering from illness, economic shutdown, or lack of support and funding. Meaningful conversations that generate compassion and financial support from listeners compelled to join us on this journey to improve the lives of others. I'm gonna dance with the stranger. I'm gonna enjoy your show. I'm gonna learn to forget and really let it go. And most of all, I wanna shine a light on good and look to give back. And that's what I'll do with my third, third act. And now your host, Roger Steed. This is Roger Steed again from the Third Act Podcast. This is the initial launch. I'm so excited and blessed to have an extraordinary person as my first guest for my first podcast. I can now think of a person that represents in the flesh what I hope to promote with a Third Act more than Kimber, the good works that she's doing with many people in Pontiac, Michigan, families, children, people in need. It's just awesome. A special thank you to Jenny Bailey, a mutual friend who connected us together in the first weeks of the third act, which tells again the power of networking and uh, what we can accomplish if we all work closer together. Let me set the stage for how I think of Kimber and of enthusiasm and energy that she imparts. The first time I talked to her was on a, I don't know, a Tuesday night at six o'clock, long day. I get her on the phone and she tells me that she was up last night at 1130 getting a bed for a family in Pontiac, Michigan. Oh my gosh, this person is doing so much great work for people in need that I have to get her on a podcast and I have to link up with her so that we can help more people through her efforts. Let me say a few words about Kimber Bishop Yankee. She has spent 22 years helping families and children in difficult social and school-related situations through coaching, counseling, one-on-one sessions, small group gatherings in Michigan. She has led nine missions to Kenya, Jordan, Palestine, Canada. She has sponsored over 500 weeks of summer camps and has run seven marathons to raise money for clean water projects in Kenya. 
get this. She has organized and sponsored eight 40 foot containers of different medical supplies, school supplies, soccer equipment for people in need in Kenya. And she finally has raised thousands and thousands of dollars to help Kenya relief provide their, or be able to purchase their first school bus, build a soccer field and a cafeteria for 1000 kids. With that introduction, I will say hello to Kimber. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm good. Thank you, Roger. Before I just ramble on and talk about uh, what you're doing in Oakland County and Pontiac in particular, I want to thank you so much for coming on the call. It really means a lot to me. My ambition here is to get more help and dollars and volunteers for your project. Thank you. 18 months ago, you became the chair of the Oakland County Task Force for Homeless and Poverty. That kind of shaped your beginning thoughts and that rolled into what you started to do as the COVID took its heavy burden on families in March. Yeah, I have organized the volunteers through my church, Kensington in Birmingham. We participated in the warming center at Genesis Church every year. So I organized about 300 volunteers for eight years to participate in this warming center for two weeks. A year and a half ago, I received a phone call from a friend who had a former student. She was 22 years old and she had been sleeping in her car. And my friend wanted to know what shelter could take her. It happened to be the week before we were doing our warming center. So I started looking for a place for her to stay. And what I found is that Oakland County does not have any family shelters. They had one small shelter for women and girl, women and children, Grace Nurse Hope, but that closed down last December. In the process of taking her to different organizations, I actually had three friends open their homes to her. But what I found is it was incredibly difficult, almost impossible to get her help. And that upset me. <laughs> <laughs> no question about it. But you also described to me the difficulty of working within the system of Oakland County, as you just explained, but even working with politicians, you had to do some really uh, amazing groundwork to get that off the ground. Yeah, and, and a, a lot of these places you have to call at a certain time. It, it's You have to fill out applications. There has to be a spot open. I was traveling to her to get to her at 10 a.m. every morning. There was one shelter that moved from church to church, and you had to call at 10 a.m. to try to see if there was a spot. And after calling for five times, um, being asked the same questions, I asked, what were her chances of getting in that shelter? And they couldn't tell me. I thought for a homeless person to have to call in the morning to not know if they could have a spot, it really was upsetting. So I ended up calling health minority leader, Christine Gregg. And actually she was extremely responsive. She said, yes, there is a problem. This issue has been ignored for far too long. If you would like to get a meeting together, I'll bring you a group of representatives. Genesis Church hosted the meeting and we had a number of homeless organizations talk about the problem in Oakland County, in Michigan. What came out of that is that Representative Carter 
who represents Pontiac, stood up and said, I would like to start a caucus in the House and Senate on poverty and homelessness. And then she said, I would like to start a task force. And she asked me if I would help with it. So I have to say that our um, elected officials, Dave Woodward, Dave Coulter, uh, Brenda Carter, Christine Gregg, they have been really uh, responsive. And Senator Rosemary Bear, I can't say enough about. That's fantastic. I think uh, that says a lot about both um, your desire to pull everyone together and their response to that. That's that's super and certainly hopefully is making a difference. As you became chair, you always obviously continue to look for ways to help uh, the families in Pontiac working with the schools. You told me you worked with a a very special person, Sarah Sanders. Yeah, so Sarah Sanders works for a nonprofit called Communities in School, and she was located in Pontiac High School. And she attended, I was holding these uh, community meetings, and I was having different um, people speak about homelessness and the challenges, housing issues. And through that, Sarah shared with me that she was taking some of her kids' clothing home to wash because they did not have a washer or dryer in her house. She was also giving them like cans of SpaghettiOs to eat for dinner. And I was like, but there's so many food banks. How can kids still be going hungry? And what she shared was that the food banks had certain hours and some of her families did not have transportation. So out of that conversation, I actually purchased a washer and dryer with a grant I had access to that arrived on the day that all the schools shut down. So it's sitting at Pontiac High School waiting to be used. And then I decided that we were going to try and do a delivery. We were going to start out once a month to 25 families. I was going to corral volunteers, raise money, and we were going to deliver food right to their homes. I had the meeting scheduled the day after, the day the school shut down, I had the meeting scheduled with Micah Six and another guy, Bill Bass, who was going to help me. And we went to the meeting and I said, you know what? I said, we got to just do as many families as we can. If everything's shut down, there's going to be families that are going hungry. And within two weeks, we were able to raise um, about $6,000 and get 50 volunteers. And at a Representative Carter's office, we had people come up and pick up food, milk, eggs, cheese, hamburger for 250 families. Because I, that was as our you, first one. That's yes, right. as you explained to me, as you got to know these families through your deliveries, you got to know other needs they needed. You need they had other necessities that they just didn't have and and needed to survive. Correct? Yeah, we found out there was a group of nonprofits: Pontiac Community Foundation, Lighthouse, Oakland University. They were coming together to form my COVID response, and so we actually joined up through them. And for the last twenty three Saturdays, we have organized fifty people to drive and we take food to about 250 families and seniors. So within that, we found out that people did not have, like someone needed a microwave. We found a baby that had been sleeping in a drawer for eight months. We got the baby a crib. 
a high chair to eat food on and clothing. I'm working on getting that family internet because they also have a sixth grade daughter. They needed diapers and wipes, which my COVID response actually provides the diapers and wipes. But we ended up bringing couches, beds, microwave, birthday cakes. Our drivers got to know these families and And that was one of the beautiful things is that the drivers were stopping after they picked up their food, they were stopping at the store to pick up other things that families need all on their own. Awesome. No, I think that's great. And as you explained, obviously these are people that have, in my words, fallen below the cracks. They cannot get to the food banks. They cannot get to the charities that are trying to help others. So they are really without a lot of options, correct? How I looked at what we were doing is you and I and most people we know have an aunt, a friend, a neighbor, or you can pay for someone to take care of things for you. And so when someone doesn't have a bed or can't do laundry because they have no transportation or even the money to pay for laundry or they don't have, they have a newborn and they can't leave the house. For people in poverty, these little things are major obstacles. They don't have people that they can ask to help them with these things because the people around them are also struggling in poverty. So I feel like what we've done is become that aunt or that neighbor or that friend that says, Hey, I can go pick that up for you. Hey, I can find you a couch. Hey, I can help pay your electricity bill this month. And so out of that, I've decided I I have a little nonprofit called Kids Empowered on the Move, which I've been doing conferences and working in schools in poverty, offering them social, emotional learning, social skills, self-esteem, confidence, all of that I've been doing for 20 years. And I've decided to expand that to raise money to try to get families little things that they need that is very challenging for them. Absolutely. And let's go over that again for people that want to get involved uh, to donate both monies and volunteer their time. Where should they go today? Yeah, I have a spot right on my business website, kidsempowered.com. And they just click on the link nonprofit and it will take them to how they can volunteer or make a donation. Perfect. Perfect. And from the standpoint of your new mission of adding poverty to your uh, coaching and uh, school sort of activities that are probably still a little bit in flux, I would gather, this is going to be a big push that's going to probably, I don't know, occupy your time going forward. How, How are you going to manage this process with your other school needs, assuming that some form of school comes back and your coaching is still carrying on? Yeah, I'm right now schools are shut down, so um, I can't do my programs there, but I I might uh, divide it in half. I'm not sure how all this is going to play out yet. This has taken a turn of events, and I really, really appreciated the value of delivering a birthday cake or having one of our volunteers take someone to do laundry or we had a mom with a newborn who had nothing. And within three days, we were able to provide her with everything for a baby's room. 
so the work is very rewarding and, and so somehow I'll find a way to do both. You certainly have in the past and I don't want to take you back, but I think there were some doubters when you first went from uh, 2025 families delivering food to over 250 families. You've uh, proven your um, ambition and your energy level in space. As we go forward, I would like to continue this conversation and bring you back on when there's a special need or a special project that you would like to highlight to our audience or our listeners and uh, to get some help where we can to help you in your ongoing cause. That's awesome. And I just want to say that the 22-year-old is uh, now in in an apartment and she has a job and she's uh, looking to buy a car. So this is the thing is that when people do get that support and when people care about other people, you can really help someone go on to a different path. And and plus, you've seen it up front. You've seen the faces. You've seen the smiling faces. And obviously, even before the small donations of food and supplies that you give them, the very debilitating situation that they are existing in, from uh, despair to some sort of hope, that has to be, I would think, so gratifying and so important to your ongoing mission to help these families uh, in Pontiac. Yeah. And one of my favorite volunteer feedback was Tracy Frank, who has delivered for us every Saturday. She delivered food to a home and one of the little boys came running out yelling, mommy, we have milk. And, and then another Brian who volunteers for us, he told me the kids came out and yelled to their parents, the food police are here. And, <laughs> and so I thought how great that is to the kids realize that here is food for me to eat. And that's just a great feeling. I agree. And I hope to get more involved with you as you go forward. I think that'd be awesome for both uh, my family and uh, for others. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for giving your time and your uh, energy to this important mission that you're on. And thank you for explaining it in your own words to the third act congregation, so to speak. And hopefully we'll get this growing. So uh, Kimber, thank you so much. I'm very grateful and I appreciate your time. And I know you probably have a busy day today. So thank you again. Thank you, Roger, for letting me be the first person. I really am honored. (laughs) No, believe me, I'm the one that's honored. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Third Act Podcast. To find out more about who we are spotlighting, how to get involved, or find show notes on today's episode, go to wearethirdact.com.